0: So, if you've got your Bibles um, open up the Bibles into ephesians three um, I want to ask you us to dig into one of the, one of the prayers that Paul pray, prayed for the early church that Sam mentioned and um, this is actually a message that i am i 've absolutely spoken before um, and I, but I genuinely felt like God saying to kind of dig into it again and uh, I was like, "Oh, well, people are going to heard that before and you know but actually, when I look back at my notes, it was two thousand and thirteen just quite a while ago so and i 'm really aware that we are um, we're growing as a church family, um, and which is great, and that there are an awful lot of people who, um, you, some of, a lot of you guys actually have joined us since 2013, so maybe haven't heard um, this before, but I'm, sh- I'm hopeful you'll have heard some of these themes, because... Some of these things are just so key and so foundational to kind of who we are and and what we're trying to do here at Vine Life. Um, So I'm going to preach again. So we're going to look at Ephesians 3 and looking at um, Father and family and fullness, which are the three things that we see here. So I'm going to pray and and then we'll jump into the word. Thank you, God, that you're with us. God, I want to thank you for who you are. I thank you for who this church family is. And I thank you for the, um, yeah, just the good things that you've got for us in the future. Um, Father, we just, we want to, we don't want to miss out on anything that you have for us. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and just open up the Bible to us this morning. Make it real um, and change us because of it, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me read this for you. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So let's look at these three things, father, family, fullness. The first thing is father. So when Paul starts this prayer, he says, actually, I kneel before the father. So who he's praying to is father God. And so he says, "You know, actually, every family gets its name from this one perfect Father. So you know, our biological family, an extended family, a church family. We get our name, and we are named by this Father in heaven. Um, you know, and it, the thing is, knowing God as Father, actually knowing our adoption as His sons, as His daughters. Like these amazing young people have been saying, like, that is the ultimate purpose of the cross. The the reason that Jesus came and died and rose again was in order to reconnect us as God's kids to him as a perfect heavenly father. That's, that's, that's the good news. It's about a perfect dad getting his kids back. In a really famous verse, um, John fourteen six, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? If you've been Christian any length of time, you've probably heard that verse. I think it's worth noticing what Jesus doesn't say as much as what he does say. What he doesn't say is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one has their sins forgiven except through me, though that is absolutely 100% true. Neither does he say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one is washed clean and has a brand new start except through me, although that is beautifully and radically true. What he says is, no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the way. He's the only way. He is the way, but the destination is the father. And listen, in, in, I don't have to be highly prophetic to know that for some people in this room, what's been modeled to you from an earthly dad, what you've experienced as father, isn't always helpful, may have been really painful, may have been entirely absent and missing. But I would hate for you to think that that in any way disqualifies you from knowing a perfect heavenly father who just loves you. And I'm convinced that we need to be a people who we don't just believe in that conceptually; that we actually know it, that we encounter it. Um, and, and listen, I know any time you know we talk about you know uh, you know knowing God's love or feeling the love of God, anything where we start talking about feelings, some people start kind of twitching, and they're like, "Well, hang on a minute, Sarah, you know we live by faith, not by feelings." 100, percent we absolutely do, right? We we totally live by faith, but that doesn't mean. That every single one of us shouldn't have an expectation that I can encounter the love of God. I can know the love of God. Not just as a theory, but actually as a reality. And listen, meeting God, encountering him isn't just an emotional experience, although sometimes I think it should be. You know, it, it may be, you know, he wants he wants us to know him and to feel him and encounter him body mind soul and spirit so actually I have peace in my thoughts actually my, I'm healed that's the way we encounter God that when I read the Bible suddenly it comes to life that is you encountering God in a real way but a genuine encounter with God is not for you know some happy clappy emotionally orientated Christians like it's it's for all of us Adoption is absolutely orthodox biblical doctrine, but it mustn't stay as theory. It's supposed to, we're supposed to meet with this father and know him. If you're still unconvinced, let me read to you the amplified version of verse 19. For me, it gives absolute permission and encouragement to actually genuinely ask for us to experience God. It says this, that you may come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. That's Paul's prayer. Not that you would ascribe to a certain set of beliefs that God loves you, but actually that you would come to really know practically through experience for yourself, the love that God has for you. And so we need to believe for that. We need to position ourselves for it and expect, yeah, I'm going to encounter the love of God because that's what he's got for me. So that's the first thing, actually this connection with an encounter with a father. The second thing is family. You know, we're not just adopted by God in this, um, and we're his children. There's this vertical relationship. Actually, we're brought into a family with horizontal relationships with all the challenges and blessings that that involves um, you know Mark talked about this brilliantly last week so I'd encourage you if you weren't here jump back and listen to the podcast but here's the thing verses 17 and 18 Paul says I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. I think sometimes we read that and we think that phrase, together with all the Lord's holy people, is just sort of poetic license to fill some commas. And we read it as, oh, that I would, I would be rooted and established in love and that I would grasp how long and high and wide is the love of Christ. Like that is what Paul's praying, but the way he's praying, the context he's praying in is that I would do that. I would know that together with all the Lord's holy people. Not on your own, doing your own thing in isolation. His prayer is for us to be established in love, but the way that that happens is with God's holy people, not out on your own. And that is, like, that's a risk in community and relationship, right? And sometimes we can think, do you know what? It would be safer just to kind of keep myself isolated. And here is the truth. No one is going to hurt me if I'm isolated and I keep everybody at arm's length. That is probably true. But equally, no one is be able to lean in and help you no one is going to let me down if I never let anyone close and I you know, keep them. No, no one's going to let you down. But equally, no one is going to be able to pick you up either. So like Mark said, it is, it is one of our greatest needs, but it is also our greatest challenge, actually having community. And listen, community is, is not just you turn up here on a Sunday morning or even you go to a city group. Those are really, really important parts of finding and making community. But that is not the end. That's not a... Tick that off. You yeah, have got community down. You can turn up here week after week, year after year and still remain entirely unknown by people. So if our mark as a church family is community is that I'm seen, I'm heard and I'm known. You can turn up here week after week and still be totally unknown, completely unseen and really not heard. And some of the responsibility for that is on you, right? Because here's the deal. We are not perfect church leaders. This room is not full of perfect people, and neither are you perfect. So there's a whole lot of grace that is required to build community and to actually build genuine family. But the reason these things matter, this is where I want to really land this morning, is that the whole reason that these two things need to be in place, reconnected and firmly established in the Father's love and embraced in and running with family, the whole point, the reason is, Paul says, for fullness. That's the goal. Ephesians 3.19 says that we, yes, we would know this love of God that surpasses knowledge. He's like, you'd know the love that actually is gonna mess with your head. It's beyond what you can understand, but I want you to know it. But in order that, so so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the reason. Not just to be connected to a father, not just to be found in family, but those things are massively and vitally important. But the goal is all the fullness of God. I believe fullness should be the naturally supernatural outworking of knowing a father and being found in his family. Like it should be. Let me say it again. Fullness should be the naturally supernatural outworking of knowing a father and being in his family. You know, being in the kingdom is it's nothing to do with seeing people get saved and then maybe just tread water to heaven. There should be an ongoing growth, maturity, fruitfulness, fullness, any of those words. That's the end. So that the end target is that all the fullness of God is in us. So this concept of let's just get decisions for Jesus and leave it, that is so far beneath the goal of the gospel. And it's so far beneath what Paul was going after. So Paul's really clear about the goal of his ministry. Colossians 1.28-29 says, He is the one we proclaim. Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So, Paul's saying, Look, I am working really hard with the energy that God works in, but the reason I'm working so hard is that I would be able to present everyone fully mature in Jesus. And in Ephesians 4 and verses 11 onwards, he's talking about um, the church. He says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Those are two really, really important passages. I think one is speaking to the individual and one is speaking to the corporate. So Colossians, when I'm reading that, I feel like Paul has got specific people in mind where he's like, I am working super hard so I can present Timothy, mature in Jesus, or Lydia, mature in Jesus, or Philip, mature. He's got specific people. So there's absolutely a place where we need to commit as an individual to become mature and as a church family to get around other people to see them become mature. Yeah, presented fully mature in Jesus. But, but the Ephesians 4 verse is, is corporate. So he's saying, listen, the gifts are given not so the jobs get done. It's not that I'm gonna give the gift of evangelism to the church so that an evangelist will go and do the evangelism and the rest of the church can sit happy. It's not that you know, the gift of teachers are given so that some teaching happens. The whole point is that people are equipped, but the body is built up and becomes mature. It's corporate that the body as a whole would become mature. And it's the same language, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. It's what he was praying for the Ephesians. The full measure of the fullness of God. And I mean, just think for a moment, that's a right lot of fullness. And I don't know about you, but I'm nowhere near that yet. And you look at the church and think, gosh, we're nowhere near that yet. But that doesn't change the fact that that is the goal. The goal is maturity, the fullness of God in you, in me, and in us, the corporate we. Does that make sense? This is what Paul says, I think, in Ephesians 1, 22, 23. This is the Phillips translation. It says this, God has placed everything... Under the power of Christ and has set him up as the head of everything for the church. For the church is his body. Listen to this. In that body lives fully the one who fills the whole wide universe. Right? I know the church doesn't look like that all the time. But it doesn't change. The planet doesn't deviate. That's why we say around here, listen, the church is... God's plan A for the restoration of all things. It is. And listen, we don't say that just because we think that sounds like a good idea. We say it because he said it. Actually, that's the whole point, this crazy truth that all the fullness of God, the one who fills the whole wide universe, actually is in us, but it's in the corporate us. It's not just, you know, it's less if you're not there and I'm not there. That isn't the fullness. So my journey of maturity is so that this fullness of God is actually, it's demonstrated, is seen, makes a difference out there. There is a profoundly important and significant call on every single one of you, but that gets worked out in the context of a body. And so we, we need to understand that these, these three aspects that Paul's praying for, to be known by a father, to be found in a family, and to commit to that journey of fullness, those things really need to work together. They, they, they don't come in isolation. So Listen, I'm going to say it as bold as this, fullness is absolutely not going to be possible unless we're connected to a father and we're still having those encounters where we know personally for ourselves that he loves us and he's for us. We're not going to reach fullness if that is missing. But it's also not going to happen if we're in isolation, right? An essential key for me as an individual coming into fullness is that I have some of you in my life. Knowing where and when to cheer me on, where to challenge me, you know, where to say, well done, you're doing great, where to get right up in my face and say, hey, what's going on here? I need to cultivate that kind of community if I'm going to become full, if I'm going to come to maturity. And, and if, if the church is going to come to fullness and maturity, then we as individuals need to become mature. Does it make sense? But we have to do it in this context of deep connection to Father God and, and real healthy family. Because fullness, listen, fullness is not you and I saved and attending church. Please, Jesus, save us from that having our it. That's just not it. It's you showing up out there. That's why we are really intentional with everything that we do around here as a church culture. With our goal being... How does this take us into maturity? That's why we keep asking ourselves these two questions we ask ourselves all the time. Who am I becoming? Sarah, Elizabeth Smith, who are you becoming? But us, Fine Life Church family, who are we becoming? And, and how are we gonna move into maturity and fullness? What does that need to look like? But the thing is, that's the goal, but I can't, listen, you cannot do that for me, and I can't do that for you. Like, that just, that isn't how it works. I can't do, I can't position you to believe for and go after encounters with God I can't do that for you I can encourage you I can say listen this is what God has for you but I can't do it for you likewise I can't do community for you we can't do we can't structure that centrally but what we can do and we you know we are absolutely committed to doing the best we can at actually creating a culture that makes space for and celebrates genuine community real authenticity that's able to say, this is hard, this is scary, this is where I'm struggling, this is amazing, look at this breakthrough, to celebrate those things. But also, to make this a space where actually, the things that we can do as a leadership team to make it as easy as possible for you to take responsibility for your maturity journey. That's how it works, right? It's like, so Luke, my son, he's doing his GCSEs this year. So let me tell you what is not happening this year. I am not doing his revision for him, neither will I try and kind of cover up my wrinkles and go and sit his exams for him. That's that's not it. But what I am doing is I'm buying him all the revision guides that he needs. I'm making sure that I'm feeding him a good healthy diet and I'm making sure he gets to bed and his phone's not in his room at night and I'm, in, I'm encouraging him and I'm cheering him on and I'm in the context of knowing on one level I don't really care what GCSEs you get but I want you to work hard and I want you to run with what God's got in your life. That's far more important to me. But there's stuff that I can do, Phil and I can do to set him up as well as we possibly can So that he takes responsibility for his maturity journey. And listen, that's the church. And sometimes I think, you know, the church's job is to take my GCSEs for me. It's not. It's to create a space where you can take responsibility to sit your own exams, cheering you on the whole way. Does that make sense? But that's the deal. Maturity is not I do it for you. Maturity is you take responsibility for it. But how can we help one another with that? The final thing I want to say is, listen, this whole journey unto all the fullness of God, which I absolutely know not one of us has, none of us have reached the end of that journey, right? If, we, if it's the fullness of the one who fills the whole wide universe we're after, we have a little way to go. But in order to do that, actually, f- to be filled with the fullness of God requires that you and I increase our capacity. And in order to have an increased capacity to be filled is going to require us to stretch, And we don't like stretch on any level. We don't. I was a physio. um, I worked in the NHS for 15 years. um, So I know quite a lot about stretching. And here's the thing. It's not comfortable. You've got a tight muscle. Right, sit up straight. Let's stretch. I would get you to stand up, but then there's not much space. Okay, if you take your head to one side, tuck your chin in, you feel a stretch on the opposite side, right? That's because that muscle, and some of you have like, oh, I've only gone a tiny little bit, and these young, supple necks are kind of going miles away, but, but that stretch, you can put your head up now, um, like that muscle stretch isn't comfortable, right? It's, it's uncomfortable. The, and it's the same, the reason why, I could tell you all the neuromuscular stuff if you want, but you're probably not interested, but there's a good reason for that. But you know when you're doing a stretch, right? You're stretching your hamstrings, like, oh, that really, really hurts, and then after a few seconds, you're like, oh, it's eased off a little bit, and you can go a little bit further, right? You know that. You've ever stretched your hamstring? That is the thing. It's, it's the way your muscles work, right? That there's a specific neuromuscular reflex in there that initially, when you stretch a muscle, these little things called Golgi tendon organs, you're welcome, kick in. And they basically, in order to stop you overstretching and creating damage, they kick in a little bit. So you get this resistance, which is where it's uncomfortable. But after a while, that reflex simmers down a little bit and it's like, oh, I can go a little bit further. I think it's very similar for us walking with Jesus is we don't like that point of stretch. When we step out and it's like, oh, I'm not sure I've been here before. This is uncomfortable. Our reaction is to just back off, just take, take the stretch off. But listen, that doesn't get us anywhere. If you have a tight muscle and you're looking to do some stretches, if you're doing that for less than 10 seconds, you are flat out wasting your time. Apologies for that. Like, you have to hold that stretch for at least 15, 20 seconds if you're actually going to make a difference and get more flexibility. And you have to do it more than once every two weeks, right? You have to do it every day, holding it at that position of stretch, which is uncomfortable in order to have an increased capacity. It's exactly the same for us in our spiritual walk, Right? Actually, to, you know, to step out and, and kind of share some of your story with someone at work who maybe doesn't know Jesus is uncomfortable. It's a stretch and our, everything in us is screaming, Sarah, back off, stop, like run away. But we're never going to get into that fullness unless we, embrace, unless we embrace stretching, like we have to. This is what Jesus is talking about. You heard the parable where Jesus talks about wineskins, right? He says, listen, you're not going to put new wine in an old wineskin, um, because it will burst so the thing with wine skins were actual skins animal skins right and the old ones they get more brittle and so they would just split and then you'd lose all your wine a new skin that they would rub oil in and um, the reason that made it fit for purpose was that it could stretch it had flexibility so it had the capacity to hold what you put in it this is what Jesus is saying. And, and so we have to pay attention to that and say, okay, what does that mean for me as an individual? Where do I need to stretch? Where do I actually need to have some increased flexibility so I am a, I'm a good new wineskin, so I can hold all the fullness of God that he wants to pour in? We have to think about that as the church. And it's not just, it's not just changing our language, it's radically changing our culture. So we're positioning ourselves and committing to that stretch, that journey of maturity, in order to be filled. But it's not comfortable. And listen, let me tell you, I am not, my aim for you, as a, us as a church family, my aim is not that you're comfortable here all the time. Sorry if that's shocking to you. I don't want you to be comfortable all the time. But what I do want, and I'm absolutely committed to, that you know this is a really safe place, but so, where sometimes you'll feel uncomfortable. That, and that's a good place to be, Actually, I'm concerned with your maturity more than your comfort. And to get to maturity sometimes means it's gonna be uncomfortable. That's probably why the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the comforter. Because sometimes it's uncomfortable, right? But listen, the most missional thing that you and I can do is to commit to this journey of maturity. Because what the earth is groaning for, what these stunning young men have told us is their generation are crying out to know who they are. And there's so many options, and there's so many voices, and there's, there's so much junk thrown at them. They're crying out to know who they are. And Paul says in Romans 8 that the earth is longing for the revealing of sons and daughters, the children of God. And the word that Paul uses there for children, he's really intentional about. There's different Greek words for children, and sometimes it means infant or child. But the specific word he uses in that verse, that the earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons and daughters, he uses the word "huios," which means the mature sons of God. Immaturity actually hampers our mission as individuals and as a corporate church. So we have to commit to grow up. Like we've got to grow up. We need to get outside of the building, carry in the fullness of God's presence, and make a difference out there. Because the mission of the kingdom, the mandate of the good news of Jesus is not carried on church programs or church meetings. It's carried in and on the lives of people who are submitted to showing up as a son and a daughter. That's the deal. It's one of the reasons why we intentionally don't have a heavy program of events. We only wanna be doing those things that where is this equipping and bringing us into maturity? That's, it's not it, listen. Just to stay safe and comfortable and have a nice time in our church meetings is flat out not enough. There's so much more for us. So this, listen, don't in any way say that I don't value this. I deeply value our times together, right? But we gather not just to kind of have lots of bums on seats, but we gather in order to scatter, to be encouraged, to be cheered on, to to meet with God, to hear from one another in order that we go out there and do the stuff. So, so please come, like don't not come to our corporate times together, come on a Sunday morning, get into a city group, like come, but know that you're coming because you need to go, but you need to go in maturity, carrying all the fullness of God, because that's the goal. And listen, this is, a, this is a journey, and we are absolutely not going to reach the end of it, this side of um, Jesus coming again, and that's okay. And it's really okay to be wherever you are in that journey in maturity, right? It would be ridiculous if we expect my new nephew, who's five weeks old, to be more mature than he is. George, you're so immature. Like He's five weeks old, right? But if some of you are 40 are still behaving like he is, then there's a problem, right? So you need to, you need to hear the Lord, right? And, and commit to that process of stretch. I, I don't want you to hear that what we're saying is, you know, Jesus is going to hold your hands and Phil and I are going to hold your feet and we're just going to stretch. You need to lean into the Lord, Isaiah 54, right, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your tent pegs. You just need to pay attention. Which are the tent pegs? Where does God need you to stretch? Where do you need to stretch things out? And know that the reason is there's so much more fullness that he wants to fill you with. And stretch is about increasing our capacity to be filled unto all the fullness of God. But it's not. we're not going to get there. We are not going to walk in that fullness if we're not deeply established in knowing a Father God who loves us, being found in a family with people who cheer us on and get right in our faces when we need it. But that's the goal. So would you stand? I want us to pray um, for ourselves. I actually want us to pray this prayer over one another, and I'm going to have it up on the screen, actually from the amplified version. Because I love, the Amplified version basically, it, it uses all the possible translations. Because often there's not a, here's the Greek word, here's the English word. Often there's more. And I love the Amplified because it kind of squeezes all the fullness of the meaning out of it. So I want us to pray this over ourselves and over each other. Like some of you, I really feel like that verse 19, to come to really know practically through experience for yourself. Some of you do not you count yourselves out as that being for you. I want to challenge you. I want to double dare you. Pray that over yourself this week that you'd come to really know through experience the love that He has for you. But let's pray it over one another as well. So, what you stand, place a hand on someone next to you, maybe place a hand on your heart. Let's read, let's pray this together and for one another.